You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Come on, one more time for Jesus. God, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. God, we thank you that you interrupted time and space to come and be with us. We give you this time. We open up our hearts, our our ears, our minds, so that you can have complete control. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, let's bless the Lord in this place. You may be seated if you're not already sitting down. Christmas season, we're here. We're here in the Christmas season. Some of y'all started celebrating before Halloween. It's the Christmas season and there's, there's some scriptures that we don't get an opportunity to really dive into until we get into this season. Uh, But first we must understand that Christmas is not a season, Christmas is a person. When you really understand who the person is, you can celebrate Christmas in June. You can celebrate Easter in October because it's all about the man himself. Amen? Amen. That's what it's about. And so we're going to jump into this passage and and we're going to read this one verse together. Are y'all ready? We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. Verse 38, and it says this, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. We're going to read it again because I didn't hear y'all. You ready? Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. The title that I picked for this message is the yes that changed everything. I, I gotta be honest with you, I actually had four titles to this message. I had the yes that changed everything, I had the power of one yes, I had the magnificent yes, and the power of your yes. So I'm gonna let you take whichever one you want to home with you once you hear the message. The reality is it doesn't matter what the title is, the core of the message is this, that the foundation of a life surrendered to God begins with saying yes to his plan and his purpose. That is the foundation. That's where life begins to change. Your yes has the power to activate God's plan in your life. And yes, God has a plan for your life. And that's a comforting thing to know that in a world that can be chaotic and even confusing, it's comforting to know that the creator of the universe, the designer of my DNA, is the author of a masterpiece and you and I are a vital part of his narrative. It's comforting to know that God has a plan for us. That means that plan is uniquely crafted for you. It's tailored to your strengths, your quirks, and yes, even your weaknesses. But that plan will not be activated until you say yes. Say yes. Yes. Oh, say it like you mean it. Your yes is not a casual agreement. Your yes is a divine pronouncement that says, I'm aligning my life with God's will. 
Your yes is literally you saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you said about me come true. This is the power of yes. When we say yes to God, things change. Now we're gonna be looking at this, this story in the book of Luke chapter one, verses 26 through verse 38. I, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. There's a lot going on. Some of it we won't talk about today, but there's some amazing things that happen that you don't want to miss it, but you got to read it to find out. But let me give you a little bit of background of what's happening right now. Mary, y'all know Mary, right? Y'all know Mary from around the way. <laughs> Mary is this young girl, she's somewhere between the ages of 14 and 19 years old. Mary is this unpopular girl living in this unpopular city and she has a plan for her life. She's living a pretty ordinary life. She's got a man and she got a plan. She's engaged to Joseph. They're about to be married. And I'm sure like any woman that's about to be married, you've made the plans. You've picked your bridesmaid. You've said yes to the dress. You know who's coming to the party. You've picked the song list. You know who, who's going to be there. You've done all of these things, and then in one moment, God interrupts Mary and Joseph's plans. Why? Because God is an interrupter. It's one of those attributes that we don't talk about a lot when it comes to God. God is an interrupter. God shows up with Gabriel. Gabriel could have given this message to anyone that God told him to, but God interrupts the life of Mary to give her a message. God interrupts this unpopular girl in this unpopular city to tell her that her womb is going to be the incubator for the savior of the world. Understand this, this is not just a myth. This is not folklore. This is not a metaphor. This is a real story that happened. This is a real thing. It's an example to us in the power of your yes, but it's a real thing that happened. So God shows up and interrupts her plans. Have you ever felt like God interrupted your plan? Isn't that a thing? It's like you got a plan and then God shows up and wrecks your plan. There's a saying that says, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Because <laughs> God is an interrupter. But if you've ever had God interrupt your life, it feels less like an interruption and more like a divine intervention. When God interrupts, it's to get you in the right place or put you in the right position. Oh, I know it's not just me. Have you ever been ready to sign the dotted line on the contract and there was an urgency in your spirit that says, mm-mm, don't do that? Have you ever been driving down a particular road and you don't know why, but there was something in you said, don't go that way? Have you been dating somebody? Woo. And you thought they checked all the boxes. But then there was something in your spirit that just wasn't comfortable. And, and you look back years later and you go, ooh, thank you, God, for saving me. <laughs> Those were divine interruptions in your life. And, and when God interrupts you, it feels like a divine plot twist. My life was interrupted one day when this man named Craig Altman called my phone. And he said, hey, how you doing? 
Little did I know that 15 years ago that a seed was planted in a relationship with a friend of mine that would lead to God interrupting my life and interrupting our family's life to move us all the way across the country. It took that time for God to interrupt my life, and I'm not sure how God is going to speak to you. I don't know how God is going to show up in your life, but I want to tell you, don't miss the divine interruptions. Don't miss it. And, and like, like me, your interruptions could come through a phone call. They could come through a text message or an encouraging word. They could come through a Bible passage. Because God will often use ordinary moments like this one to communicate a profound word in your life. God is an interrupter. So God shows up to this young girl, this unpopular girl in an unpopular city. Nazareth might have been Herman, Illinois, for all we know. Y'all know a lot about Herman, Illinois? No, you don't. Nazareth was not a, a vacation spot that people wanted to go to. And you would think a message this profound, he gives it to this unpopular teenage girl. You would think that a message this profound, you would give it to someone who has some influence. Maybe you would give it to the king. Maybe you would put it on Christian TikTok. Nope, you give it to a girl who, who barely has any followers on Instagram. So this young virgin girl who is betrothed to this other brother and she finds out that God is going to use her in a very significant way. There's nothing particularly special about Mary other than the fact that we know she has a relationship with God. This actually gives me some encouragement to know that God is not looking for people with special abilities. He's looking for people with availability. That gives me some encouragement to know that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so we look at verse 28. It says, the angel went to her and said, greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In verse 29, it says that Mary was troubled by these words. Mary was troubled by what he said. You'll catch up in a second. Mary is not troubled that an angel just showed up. She's troubled by what he said. It's, it's not, Mary was sitting there, I don't know what she was doing. She was, she was on Instagram, she was watching Netflix. It doesn't matter what she was doing. But this, this is an indication to me that this may not have been the first time that Mary had been in the presence of the Lord. Because she's not surprised by his presence. She's only troubled by his words. It's a reminder to me that, that is it possible that God is speaking to you but you're troubled because he's calling you something that you don't see yourself as? He, he says, greetings, highly favored one. And it says, Mary was troubled. You, what do you, what you call me? I called you highly favored. I, I think that he has to tell her this because Mary has every intention, uh, every, every subject to believe that she is not capable to do whatever God is calling her to do. 
Faith comes by hearing. Do you know that your, your future can be affected more by what you hear than what you see? It's, it's what we hear over and over again. Maybe Mary is troubled by his words because Mary hasn't been called favored before. She hasn't been called special before. I, I don't know the circumstances, and maybe you feel the same way when someone says that you are capable of doing something or God calls you favored. Maybe you're struggling because you don't see yourself as God sees you. He has to tell her three times, you're favored, you're favored. She has every reason to believe that the promise that God has for her is too big for her. That She has every reason to believe that someone else can do it, but he calls her favored. And these are not just arbitrary words. They carry the weight of divine intervention. To be favored means to be chosen, to be loved, to be accepted, and to be called. And even if you're thinking, well, what does this part of the story have to do with me? Well, in Ephesians chapter one, these are the same words that Paul says about us. When he says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. He says, you've been accepted, chosen, loved, you've been blessed. So the same thing that God says about Mary is the same thing that God says about us. That we're favored, that we're chosen, that we're blessed, that we are accepted, that we've been adopted. To be favored means to be valued. It means that you've been set apart for his purpose. It means that the creator of the universe sees value in you and he has a plan for you. And while God doesn't play favorites, he does favor us with love, grace, and attention. Say, I'm favored. I'm favored. But you gotta be careful. There's a disclaimer that comes with being favored. Yeah. You got to be careful with being favored. You might ask the question, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm favored? Here's how you'll know if you're favored. You'll know you're your favored because God will always introduce you to things that you don't think you're capable of doing. That's how you know you're favored. God will introduce you to things that you don't think you're qualified for. How many times have you heard God talking to your life and you get, ooh, that's not me. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm the one. You want me to do what? Do you even know me? But you're favored. Here's the thing about favor. Favor isn't about what you get. It's about what God is calling you to give. See, we often look at favor as what's in it for me. We think favor is getting the parking spot in the front. Oh, don't act like it ain't you. Don't act like you haven't. Ooh, oh Lord Jesus, give me that parking spot. Ooh, look, I'm favored. Look at, look at how God, I'm pulling right in here. I'm right in the front. That makes me fake. No, that's not, that's not favor, that's coincidence. Somebody just left. <laughs> favor is about service, not status. When God gives you favor, it's so that you can serve others, not ourselves. And here's another one. God's favor will turn your life upside down. Yeah. Hello, life. It's upside down. Thank you, Jesus for turning my life. Uh, listen, come on, just clap real quick if you know that your life has been turned up by, upside down by Jesus. Yeah. If you've experienced, if you haven't experienced it, just wait. 
The favor of God often comes with a price tag. The favor of God means you risk the favor of men. Favor of God means that God will put you in an incubating season that doesn't always make sense because God's miracle in you is going to go through a gestation period and you can't always be around everybody or in everything. So favor. So God shows up and he tells Mary that she's favored. And then in verse 34, well, actually, before verse 34, he tells her that she's favored and that you're going to carry the Savior of the world. Now, this teenage virgin girl, she asks a very good question in verse 34. She says, how? She says, how, how, will, this, how will this be? I'm a virgin. How? 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 Because this biology doesn't make sense. And maybe I've only been on the earth for a few years, but I do know. I'm not married. So tell me how. This is a good question to ask. She asks how, and God gives her the answer. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit. We could stop right there. We don't have to read none of the rest of the verse. How? The Holy Spirit. How, God, how am I going to be able to do the things that you've called me to do? The Holy Spirit. God, how am I going to be the parent that you want me to be? The Holy Spirit. God, I make so many mistakes in my life. How am I going to be the businessman, the student that you've called me to be? The Holy Spirit. God, how am I going to have the confidence and the courage and the boldness to walk into places where they don't even want me in, but you've called me to? How is this going to happen? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come over you and it will overshadow you. This is what the verse says. This is what the text says. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you so the, only, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, the Holy Spirit. This is, I love the Hebrew word that they use. It's Ruach Kadesh. It means the divine force. How am I going to do this? I'm going to be accompanied by the divine force. That means nothing can stand in my way. When God calls you to purpose, he gives you a divine assistance and divine assurance. The Holy Spirit empowers us with a dynamic supernatural power that transcends our natural abilities. And when God is with you, it's a reminder and it's an invitation into peace. How are you going to make it through this? It's the Holy Spirit. At nine years old, I was laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling. My mother had just passed two years before. And at nine years old, I had the wherewithal to ask God, how am I going to move forward? It's a strong weight for a child. At this point, my father had us doing adult duties in the house because it's a house full of boys. And I'm asking myself, how, how am I going to, I don't know that I can survive another couple years without a mama in here. And I remember laying in the bed in the middle of the night and we, and we had the tile ceiling 
white tile ceiling because my room was in the basement. And I remember looking up at this white tile ceiling thinking, God, I just want you to speak to me. Just tell me something. I'm going to share something else with you all. I ran away from home. So I got my stuff and I ran away from home. I didn't even run away to stay. I just wanted to run away so that I could be somewhere by myself because my house was always full. So I remember I'm sleeping next to this train track and I heard the voice of God more audible than I've heard it ever before. And I heard God say to me, I'm going to take care of you. I feel like these were the same words that God gives Mary. How? Me. That's how. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you. Just rely on me, Daryl, not you, because you're right. You can't do it. You can't survive on your own. You're going to lose your mind. But if you lean into me, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to overshadow you and protect you and keep you. And so this is what God is telling to Mary. So he, gives, he tells Mary that she's favored. Then he gives her supernatural assistance. Then he gives her confirmation, which comes in verse 36. Here's the confirmation. Verse 36 says, even Elizabeth... Your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. You might be thinking, well, what's the significance of this? Well, if you go back earlier in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel, the angel, visit, visits Elizabeth before he visits Mary. So when Elizabeth at this time is somewhere between the ages of 69 and 88 years old. She's well past her childbearing years and she's been barren up to this point. And God says, you're going to have a child. So in the sixth month of her having, of her being pregnant is when Gabriel goes to Mary. So Elizabeth is a rel relative of hers. So Mary knows that Elizabeth can't have no kids. So when Mary finds out that Elizabeth is pregnant, is in this moment, you mean my old cousin who can't have no kids is now pregnant? So I know if you can do it for my old cousin, you can do it for me. So he gives her this confirmation and here's why I think he did it. I think he does it because when you're holding a miracle and a promise of God, God will strategically place you around other people who are holding a miracle and promise of God to give you confirmation and accountability. I was on the pavers two weeks ago, and I'm talking to one of the couples in our couples ministry. And they're standing there, and they're standing there with their kids. And we're just having a nice casual conversation. And the, the wife jerks. She jerks. And it takes me off guard. I'm like, why, why are you jerking? And she said, I felt the baby for the first time. I didn't even know she was pregnant. Now, while I'm talking to this couple, another couple had approached us. 
and they heard that part of the conversation. And she says, I- I'm pregnant. And then this one says, oh, seriously, I'm pregnant too. I feel like God orchestrated that moment for this sermon. Because, because two people who would not have normally had that conversation are now having a conversation about a miracle that's happening in their life. This is why we preach community. Because when God has a miracle in you, you need to be around other people that have a miracle in them. This is why we preach connection and getting together with people because you, you can begin to feel like you're isolated and that you're the only one and that the miracle that you have is actually a curse and because it don't feel all that good and I'm going through all these issues and I'm the only one who feet hurt and I'm the only one who's swollen. I'm the only one who's holding water until you get around some other people and you go, oh, you too? What you do? And now, now they have a conversation together and then I let them talk and I walked away. <laughs> this is why we preach this. And then verse 37, so he gives her confirmation and then he gives her confidence. Verse 37, he says, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. When God speaks, there is an unstoppable force that is unleashed. It's not a wish. It's not a maybe. It's not a perhaps. It's an assurance. It's a divine guarantee that literally reverberates through the heavens and the earth. When God utters a word, it goes forth with a momentum that cannot be stopped by any circumstance or opposition. In the beginning, when God said, let there be light, then there was light because his word does not return void. There's no room for failure when God's word is involved. If God has spoken a promise over your life, the dream that he has placed in your heart there shall be no setback no devil in hell can stop what God has declared over you because God's word never fails then in verse 39 Mary responded I am the Lord's servant may everything that you've said about me come true Mary said yes Mary is this teenager, she's a virgin. She knew the penalty of being found pregnant outside of marriage, yet she says yes. It's not only Mary who says yes, Joseph says yes, you too. God came and interrupted Mary's life and Mary now gotta go tell her man, I'm pregnant by somebody else. No more Repovich. Some of you younger ones, you go Google it, Google it, Google it, Google it. And in Matthew, it says that Joseph intended to divorce her because Joseph was a righteous man. It actually says, when you really break it down, it says he intended to divorce her quietly, which means Joseph was going to ghost her. But Gabriel actually goes to Joseph in a dream and basically says, I know this ain't your baby. This is the Lord's baby, but don't divorce her. So Mary says yes, and Joseph says yes. They both have to say yes. Will you say yes when God speaks to you? 
Is it challenging? Yes. Will it be difficult? Yeah. But are you willing to say yes? Is it risky? Yeah. What would your life look like if you got the yes out of the way? What would your life look like if you woke up every morning and said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you said about me come true. You know what Gabriel doesn't say? Gabriel doesn't say, it's going to be easy. Your yes doesn't mean smooth sailing. Your yes means that God is going to be with you. Here's what also your yes does. Your yes triggers divine assignment. Much like Mary, your yes to God triggers God's divine assignment in your life. God's call on your life is purposeful and significant. And when you say yes, you align yourself with his divine assignment. Your yes triggers the grace of God in your life. Yeah. What is grace? Grace is this awe-inspiring, life-altering, undeserved divine gift of favor that meets us in our imperfections, strengthens us in our weaknesses, and propels us into a future saturated with unmerited favor and the transformative love of God. This is what it looks like. 2 Corinthians defines it as this. It says in 12, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. When we hear this word sufficient, we feel like sufficient means it's adequate. It's good enough. It means way more than that. Years ago, I had a friend who, who owned a Rolls Royce. So we, I went with him, I accompanied him to the Bentley store. I ain't got one, he got one. So he's like, come with me to the Bentley store. So I went with him to the Bentley store and we're walking around uh, the Bentley store and I'm, I'm looking at these Bentleys going, ooh, these are some nice cars. And, and I'm laying my hands on cars like, Father, if it be your will. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all that. I'm like, God it, God, it don't even have to be new, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with yous, Lord. I'm fine with yous. But I'm in the place and I'm reading, you know, that has the tag on the window and it, and it gives all the descriptions of the car. And so I'm looking at it and it, it says this is what the color is and, and this is, you know, has leather seats and, and this is where it's made. But when it talks about the, the miles, like how many, the horsepower, it only says sufficient. Everything else was detailed. But when it talked about the horsepower, it said sufficient. This is what I felt like they were saying. We Rolls Royce. We build jet engines for a living. Where are you going? <laughs> it's sufficient. Wherever you're going, however you're trying to get there, it's sufficient. You don't need to know how many horses is under here because it's sufficient. God's grace is like that. Where are you going? It's overwhelming. It's more than enough. It's everything. So your yes triggers divine assignment. Your yes triggers the grace of God. And your yes creates a legacy. Your yes creates a legacy. Pastor Hal talked about this a couple weeks ago. Your yes creates a legacy. Your yes has a ripple effect that reaches far beyond your own life. Mary's yes led it to the birth of a savior, impacting the course of history. In the same yes, in the same way, your yes has the potential to impact history. God wants to use you if you're willing to say yes. 
God wants to use you. We're often looking for God to use somebody else, but God has chosen to spread the gospel to the world through us. That's what he's chosen to do. He's chosen to spread the gospel of the world to the world through us. That means there's nobody else to look for. It's you. We're looking for a revival and God is saying, you're the revival. We're looking for somebody else and God is saying, no, you are it. I'm putting my spirit in my life in you so that you can go change your neighborhood, so that you can be the revival at your school, so that you can be the revival at your job. God wants you to say yes. And when you say yes, you say yes to divine assignments and God's plan and God's purpose for your life. You say yes to abundant grace. You say yes to legacy and transformational impact. You say yes to the kingdom of God. Your yes triggers overflowing f favor. What is it that God could do through you if you just said yes? The world is a better place because Michelangelo didn't say, no, nah, I don't do ceilings. <laughs> the world is a better place because Martin Luther King didn't say, no, nah, I don't do dreams. The world is a better place because Jesus Christ didn't say, no, nah, I don't do crosses. But in the garden, he said yes. And then he hung for all of us. He stretched his arms out wide for all of us. We're here today because of his yes. And whose life can your yes change? There's, a, there's an old hymn that we used to sing growing up, and I'm sure some of you have heard it, you know it, but I feel like this song is the epitome of what it means to say yes to God. It says, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to thee, my How many of you are willing to say yes to God's purpose and God's plan for your life? Say yes. Say yes. Yes. When you say yes, you are literally saying, I am your servant. May everything that you've said about me come true. you haven't said yes to him as your personal Lord and Savior, now is the time to say yes. Don't walk out of these doors. Don't leave this place without you saying yes to that. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Are we ready, family? Hey, Lord, 
I say yes to your purpose for my life. I say yes to your plan for my life. May everything you said about me come true. All to Jesus I surrender. I like this part. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly treasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. Come on. I surrender. Oh, I surrender. All to thee. foundation of a life surrendered to God is saying yes to his plan and his purpose for your life. Can we get a big yes to God from everybody that's willing to say yes to him in this place? Come on. Come on, say yes if you mean it. Come on, say yes like you mean that. God, we surrender our lives to you fully, wholly, and completely. Our heart, our mind, our body, our soul, our time, our talent, and our treasure. It belongs to you. We give it to you willingly because we know and believe that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com. Or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.